This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the studio. Is it proper to call you show regular? At sounds this good point, to me. right? Sounds good, right? Good sounds to be good here. to me too. So, um, we are rolling with episode fifty-one here, the Connected by Water podcast, presented by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. And as always, we are honored to have uh, Florida House Representative Chip Lamarca with us um, to uh, pay us a visit, say hello, hang out, and talk about clean water, like we always like to do, among many other things. Um, you know, I wanted to launch this today. By saying, you cannot get away from a COVID conversation right mm-hmm. now, even if you tried, right? So, right. But we're going to try as much as possible. <laughs> uh, we can talk about it. Obviously, you have to deal with it um, with what you do. But you know, I just think that there's so much. It's so flooded, so flooded that it's like just white noise at this point. And like, who do you believe? Who do you not believe? And, you know, tests come up and then, then new reports come out that, oh, all the testing is false and people are getting double tested and... All the reports are the one just came out. The Orlando Health came out this morning saying all these things were wrong with the testing and the numbers might be false, but you know, hospitalizations hospitalizations are up a little yep. bit, so they're not all wrong. So it's like it's tough to whatever. Yep. But anyway, I'm just gonna say my piece about it, get it out of the way. Um, so and then just say we're gonna try not to go there today, uh, well, my, if at I'll all possible. You thing, but you know, if you want to go there, we can go through it right now. No, my tie to the uh, I think to what you do, and I always think it's funny when I come out here, I have to drive directly away from the water to get connected by water, right? Cut well, we got we got we got a river of grass right behind <laughs> yeah, us here, yeah, so that's true. <laughs> um, so my connection really, and and so what I love to do is is work with businesses and work with things that affect the economy and people's lives. And one of the things that was very frustrating during, you know, kind of coming out of uh, the initial and then shutdowns and who we're going to shut, what's essential, what's a non-essential business. Um, you know, we had this thing where Broward County and I'd spent eight years there 
um, but was really not understanding that fuel docks needed to be open if you mm-hmm. want to get people out on the water and keep them away from other people and get them on their boat with their family and whether it's fishing or just going out on the water. And there was this constant fighting back and forth or, you know, uh, whether fuel docks were, were essential because there, there was not an understanding at the county level, to be honest with you, uh, that there were boats behind people's houses, that boats didn't just go in the water by ramp because mm-hmm. that's they shut the ramps down. They said, well, why, why does anybody need to get fuel in their boat? They can just go to the gas station and fill up a five-gallon, you know, fuel jug. And I said, well, a lot of these boats have 100, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1,000-gallon fuel tanks, and they're out of the water. And I said, you know, what we're going to have is somebody's going to get in a car accident because they're going to have 25-gallon, you know, jugs in the back of a pickup truck, and, you know, it's going to be a terrible, terrible accident. So we finally got it worked out. So Lighthouse Point and Taha and, yep. you know, Deerfield, the Cove, and, you know, those. So now people are out in the water. I think that's a safe place for them to be. No, so. 100%. I mean, I can't think of a better activity to yep. do right now than that, you know. I mean, and—, and I think a perfect example of that too is boat sales are way up. Yeah, I mean they, they, they're been better than they've ever been. <laughs> yeah, the boat sales have, are better than they've ever been yeah. ever. I mean, you know, I'm even like, you know, looking at it right now too. <laughs> like, hey, you know, we're we're gonna get a boat here in, in the next like month or so, you know, because you know, there's there's like you know all these family vacations mm-hmm. that are not being had. A lot of RV sales money too. That's, yeah, yeah, a lot of RV sales, and you know, so people are like, hey, you know, instead of like not having that summer vacation, let's buy a boat and make our own summer vacation, yep. which I think is a perfect, perfectly viable solution to yep. that. So if you're in the market for a boat, you might want to wait a couple of years. I think the used, used boat market's going to be flooded be know, awesome. with all these sales. But, but, but don't, yeah. Don't let that keep you from getting on the water now. You yeah, don't let it keep later. you from getting on the water. I mean, my, my, I mean, my father-in-law is, I say this on the show a lot, but he's a scout in Carolina, skip dealer up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I, for the first time ever, he's midway through season up there in New Jersey because they have season up there. Right. Here, boat sales are all year long. But yep. up in New Jersey, they got to winterize their stuff. Um, he's out of stock right now. And so he's basically just trying to fulfill 2021 boats now. Wow. Yeah, so. Good problem to have. Good problem to have. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that's the upside of some of this right. stuff, right? right. Certain our, our business here has elevated. You know, with having the boat sales are up, then, you know, the things we do for boaters, mm-hmm. the artwork and the apparel and all the things, that's that's, that's going to be a, an effect of that, too. So, yeah. So it's, it's really good that all the work that you did, though, with the boat ramps or with, with the gas fuel docks and everything it like that. It just made common sense, right? Yeah, for I sure. I could have a boat without fuel. Absolutely. You know, it. it all right, I'm not going to go down too far down the COVID <laughs> road, but. Um, yeah, no, it's. um. W- do you want to elaborate a little bit at all on the recent numbers and, you know, the truth behind them? Do you have different insight than most people do on that? I mean, no, I, you know, um, so this whole issue and this, you know, this is a worldwide crisis. Right. And people have, you know, some people have gotten it and politicized it, mm-hmm. having it and, you know, taken to social media to talk about it every day. I mean, maybe that's okay for the average person to hear an average person who has COVID-19 and, and is going through that. And that's, that's a learning, you know, it's a learning, it's a life lesson, you know, what, wh- why I don't want to get this, but there's just been so much, whether it's national or local media, who's hyped and politicized this, uh, whether it's, whether or not you should wear a mask. I mean, it's common sense, put something over your, if, right. if it's going to come through your, your nasal passages and your, and your mouth, put something over it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, put a neck gaiter on when you go out, when you go out or put a face mask on. And I mean, outside of that, we've got to protect the biggest thing is we have to protect those who are vulnerable our seniors, uh, those with respiratory and other uh, comorbidities and other you know, pre-existing conditions. And outside of that, we've, we, we can't shut down, you know, the 14th or 15th largest economy in the world. And that's what we basically did just in Florida. Yeah, and I don't think we should be shutting down that. That's for sure. I mean, we can take precautions and absolutely. But you know, this idea that, you know, everyone's scared. So we don't want to go back to whether it's school or whether it's the, you know, the office there, are, just like your business is up, there are ways to, you know, kind of uh, COVID proof your business. If it's a law firm or it's a accounting office, you still have to go and do things. So people have gone to double, you know, different cycles. Uh, they've kind of remapped the office, mm-hmm. you know, uh, split sessions. That type of thing. Um, so, I mean, that's all. I mean, I kind of spent a lot of time since March 19th dealing with whether it's unemployment or uh, getting information out about um, the pandemic. And I think people are starting to pay attention and, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully the, the numbers will subside. And, and, you know, I think they're more a function of much, much, much more testing. Yeah. Um, you're going to get positive numbers. You know, what I look at are the people in the hospital um, that have critical issues and then the deaths. Right. And I think a few days ago it was uh, you know, the number was 43 out of, you know, millions and millions of cases of positive. And um, Broward had zero yesterday. Did it? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, just so people know, we usually roll this out on a Friday and okay. record it on a Tuesday. So it's, that's okay. going to be a delayed number when people actually see the podcast. But this right. is, you know, as far okay. as last Monday went, yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah, which, to your point, there's a lot of, a lot of other things going on and we've got to kind of keep our our mind on other things, not just that, because we'll all go kind of crazy. So yeah. So thanks for, thanks for ramping us off of that one (laughs) like that, because that's very true. And that's the whole point of me actually bringing it up in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like, although, you know, it's easy to just make an entire episode about that. um, There are some things going on in our state that are really important Mm -hmm. um, that are very cool that our governor has implemented that you have worked with him on. Um, just a variety of different things. There are some programs that um, you're working on independently as well um, that we'd love to talk about. Sure. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is we recently signed that bill for the NCAA players to become compensated and their likenesses to be licensed, right? right? So can you take me through a little bit of how that worked out and how hard you guys pushed to get more for the athletes um, at the end of the day? Sure. So that so the bill um, was a bill that came out of our office. Ultimately, um, the way things kind of work in, in uh, the Florida House, because that's where I serve, um, leadership kind of took the, the uh, made the decision that we were going to we were going to hear it. Um, it would be effectively going through judiciary because it's change in state law based on univer- universities and colleges and athletics. Uh, it would go through education because it was going through the, the education system, uh, upper upper ed. And it would go through commerce because it was a fiscal impact. You know, people were going to be able to make money off of something they weren't before. Um, so those are kind of the committees where it went. And what was interesting was before session started, we had been working this since September, October. Um, and we watched California get theirs out. We knew that we could do better. We knew California. Um, one of the biggest things is they said we're going to make it effective January 1, 2023. And yeah, so ours is going to be effective before theirs, yeah, right? Yeah, so ours we're, going to be the, we're going to be the first one. In the country. In the country. So we were supposed to be July 1 of this year, mm-hmm. like 13 days ago. Um, thankfully, with, with uh, what's all going on in the world, uh, the, the Senate had the wherewithal to say, all right, well, we want to do this. And you have the only way a bill gets to the governor is that the Senate and the House move it forward. And then one of those bills gets taken up, the House of the Senate version. 
Um, and the Senate ended up, the only real change throughout this whole process was they delayed it a year. So July 1 of 2021. So that mm. gives universities and colleges and we're, you know, I'll, I'll backtrack on how we got here, but our athletic directors, just like uh, whether it's Brian White at FAU or Blake James at Miami, you know, they're starting to, and also up at uh, Coburn and his team up at Florida State, they're really looking at this saying, all right, how do we get ready for this? Now they have a year mm-hmm. to get ready. And there's going to be some um, some education for them as well. In other words, um, the, the mechanics of the bill are this. Uh, any student athlete, and it's not just NCAA, so there's NAIA where Kaiser University is a, a, a member, St. Uh, Thomas and other other schools are NAIA, um, and then there's NCAA. And ultimately, both were on the same track of saying a student athlete, no matter what you know sport they were in or what gender they were, they could not benefit off their name, image, or likeness. So Donald Delahaye up in Central Florida at, U- at UCF couldn't do videos about him kicking a football. Mm-hmm. Though he's a backup kicker, he wasn't going to make a ton of money uh, – off of these videos, they banned him from doing it, and then they kind of went back and forth. And that was that was one case. The other one was at FSU. There was a soccer female soccer player, uh, Dana Castellanos, who mm-hmm. is now playing professional, and she had 1.5 million at the time. It was 1.3. She grew by 200,000 Instagram followers while we were doing this bill. So she's at a million and a half Instagram followers. She could have easily done advertisements or endorsements uh, for any product. Mm-hmm. It could have been for a boat, you know, it could be a water water skiing, it could have been soccer apparel, it could have been sunglasses, it could have been anything, uh, the local car dealer or, or the local restaurant. Um, but they were banned from that. And it didn't, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. And the way, it, here's how I looked at it. You've got, you know, obviously big names like Michael Dell and, and Bill Gates and, uh, and Zuckerberg, you know, they've, they did their, you know, they built their programs, they built their companies coming out of a dorm room and they mm-hmm. weren't banned from doing it. If you're sitting in, in your dorm room, you figure out a better uh, a fishing app, you know, how to, you know, maybe uh, pin where you were last time the, the dolphin were biting and, you know, you create this app and it, it ends up a million people download it for a dollar. You've got a million dollars minus whatever your costs are. You did that in your dorm room and you're an economic student or a biology student. Uh, the, the athlete sitting next to the engineering student that creates an app couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So to us, it really was a it was a inequity towards student athletes. Everybody thinks student athletes are going to have these huge contracts; they're all going to be successful. Ninety eight or ninety seven, ninety eight percent of football, for example, don't go on to play professionally. Um, there's women's softball; there is no professional. There's some intramural and and or uh, some amateur after that, or maybe you know a few bucks here here or there to be made. Maybe some uh, volleyball, but there are a lot of sports that there just isn't something after college, mm-hmm. and that's where you know their their fame and fortune opportunities are kind of there, you know, they're just not going to get professional if, if it exists. So we saw this as a free market issue that, you know, why are these kids being discriminated against instead the instead of them being all, you know, mega rich athletes and all that, because that's a, just such a small number, you know, it was really more of an equity. So we, we got the bill um, moving. What we had was really interesting in the beginning of uh, session. So the day before we actually kicked off the 2020 session, we had a three-way committee in one of the office built office uh, buildings there, a big uh, kind of a uh, meeting room. And they said the last time that this room was so uh, packed with such a big committee was during the 2000 recount. So we kind of go oh, back wow. to- Oh, wow. The yeah, hanging chads. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> where they were doing it. So here we were. Wow, it was, that's a flashback. Yeah, it was uh, Judiciary Education and Commerce. So 20 people on each committee. We had 60 members asking questions to- uh, 
basically uh, experts in the field. Uh, there was a, a, a compliance lawyer from from Tulane. There was a gentleman from the Aspen Institute, and then uh, somebody we became friendly with who helped the California bill move along. A gentleman by the name of uh, Ramogi Huma, mm-hmm. who was with an organization organization called the National Collegiate Players Association, and he was a former UCLA football player that saw these these uh, inequities to to athletes, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, specifically in football, where I mean, I'll give you a great example. We pass the bill, and the pandemic happens. Pandemic happens. If you and I are going to school, and we've got a, a a friend who's a football player, for example, on scholarship, we go home to our houses. Maybe they don't. Maybe uh, maybe they're not going back to all the way home, or they don't have the dollars for it. But they're not allowed on campus, and they were we were seeing nineteen to twenty percent. Um, homelessness among college students in the United States. What? So if if they have no place to go, think about it this way. Now you think of homelessness. They that could, is crazy. They could come stay on your couch. But if your dad's a booster Can't at the University yeah. of Miami, now it's now it's a uh, it's a benefit. It's oh. a it's a it's a benefit to that athlete. So they're under a different uh, set of circumstances. And I think what we did in Florida more than anything, give them the opportunity to make a few bucks, um, uh-huh. but really you know, created uh, more of an equitable system that, you know, that some of these things aren't, uh, aren't against the law anymore. I so. mean, it's a billion dollar industry, right? The NCAA. It's yeah. It's, right? it's, it's a monster. And they're, 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 you know, they have free employees. We, we specifically didn't go after them, you know, in a, in a, in a manner that, Hey, we're, we're taking on the NCAA. That wasn't our, our goal. And right. That wasn't anything that I was interested in doing, but I was looking out for the students and it's fair opportunity. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the, but you, to your point, I mean, they, they don't they don't have to pay for their employees. Right. They're out right. playing a sport and all they have to do is show up with the TV contracts. Right. And, and the other things. So, it, it, see, I that's the argument for it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and then the argument against it for a lot of people was, well, they're getting a free education, which I think that that was a bunch of BS, to be honest with you, because a lot of these, let's face it, a lot of these students. They had adjunct professors. They, they weren't really required to go to class. A lot of them were just getting to just show up. We'll give you an A and like all these stuff like that. But this bill is kind of designed yeah. to combat that, isn't not, it? Not just, so not just showing up and getting a grade, but there were cases that we found, for example, under previous coach at USF, a student was strongly advised if they wanted to start against going to school for engineering. Mm-hmm. Do something easier. Right. Do something that didn't. You know, put you in labs three days a week. We need you on the field. So they're they're getting that education. We call it a free. Edu- you, you know, people say a free education, but you know they're they're they've paid into the system for years building up to this. You know, whether it was you know we're out fishing, the the football or baseball players, you know, in the in the gym training or, or you know summer summer camp, whatever it might be. So they've already banked into that, and then here they are at the university. You know, they're not. Out, they're not out with the same schedule that, that you and I would be. So a lot of that is we can say it's a free education if they get it and if they go to school for what they want to do and something right. that's useful. Now, I can't, I can't say that about all all the student athletes because there are some like, I mean, the first one that comes to my mind is Christian Ponder for the core, previous quarterback at Florida State University mm-hmm. where he graduated early and then started moving on to mm-hmm. work getting his master's. And there's other stories like that. Gino Trout, I think, at an MBA right. when he right. was at Miami. And yeah. 
And there's other, there's a lot of stories like that where they do kind of take that under the wing and say, no, I'm actually going to use this opportunity. My parents are making me use this opportunity to actually get the education, and I'm going to move forward like that. My, um, my but, role at Florida State is probably the best example mm-hmm. of that. I mean, Ro- right, my Rhodes Scholar. Rhodes Scholar, Medi- exactly. And all that. But his – so here's, here's how you flip the whole uh, conversation on its head. His ability to be a great athlete was hindered by his studies. Mm-hmm. So he had – he. He played professionally. I want to see either the Ravens or Titans. I think the Ravens. But he only played for a few years. I mean, right. He could have played longer, but he wanted to go to medical school. So, mm-hmm. I mean, here's a guy who achieved in, in two in two worlds, you know, sports and, and, and medicine and education. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, you give up a lot for either one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, it's, um, it's a great thing that you guys did with this. You know, and, uh, I fully supported it right from the beginning when we first talked about mm-hmm. it on the show when you were on here last time. It was kind of in its, you know, early stages. It, yeah, early stages and getting the ball rolling and, but moving forward at that time. And now we're officially past it. So at this point, what's the separation between what the state did with passing the law mm-hmm. and what the NCAA has to do or, or what their role is in this? Like, how, what's the separation between church and state, yeah. so to speak? Okay. There? So, so the NCAA and, and the reason this thing got to where it did and then got signed. Uh, was that we had a we had a starter from the Yale ba- uh, baseball team as governor? You know, okay. we knew, we knew that we had conversations with him. We knew it, what he was willing to to look at and what he wasn't, um, and he was very much in favor of this of this legislation. Now, where where does this fall for Florida, California? There's 22 states that are considering this legislation. Mm-hmm. We're just the second to have passed it. But well, the once early they day, see Florida getting all the national championships well, you know, coming in, what's you know, ironic all the great recruiting, so they're going to have to get on board, right? There was a there was an article the other day that UM is already using. You know, the the idea that hey, if you come to to the state of Florida, we have this bill that's been passed. Sure. Um, so to your point, uh, the NCAA could very well sue California. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what they did is they actually the NCAA could sue California. Yeah, they could, okay. they, they could take a lawsuit with California. But what they did is they took they took aim at the NCAA. California did. We didn't mention them one time in our bill. We just said that universities and colleges in the state of Florida are uh, heavily subsidized by the Florida legislature, by the state of Florida, mm-hmm. and by that we have some say in what you know what they do and don't do. And we passed this law, and this is an agreement between the state of Florida because we're a big uh, you know big donor to their universities and colleges. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you know, this is something that they'll have to uh, accommodate. And and they're all we, – we talked to the vast majority of the universities in the state of Florida, and most were apprehensive when they met with uh, myself and, and with Corey, my legislative aide, who had worked on this with me from the beginning. Um, but when, every, in every case, when we finished our conversation, um, they, they were – understanding that it wasn't my goal to go fight with the NCAA or right. or do something that they couldn't do and they all understood it better. So the the, uh, the process uh, is that us not naming and not having any uh, uh, kind of uh, commerce clause issues with the NCAA. Right, like the NCAA yeah. must mandate right. that X, Y, and right. Z. Yeah, okay. So we're not telling them what to do and they can't certainly can't come in and tell us what to do with this. Now where it causes an issue and where it begs for a 50-state solution uh, Senator Rubio and and uh, some other ones have been talking about this, but where it begs a, a national solution, think about it. Florida State gets recruits based on the fact that they could benefit off their name, image, and likeness, and um, and maybe Duke or North Carolina, North Carolina State, 
any of those ACC teams. Same thing with with Miami's mm-hmm. ACC, and so that you, uh, Florida is a good example in the SEC. All of the other Southern states that have Southeastern Conference teams don't have this benefit, so it might be a slightly uh, you know unfair benefit towards Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but we think these other states are going to be coming on board, and the NCAA will do something, whether it's to solve the issue and just say it's legal. Mm-hmm. Then our bill is is kind of moot. Uh, or if the federal government, like I said, if the if uh, someone in, you know, the House and the Senate come together, put a bill together, gets signed, it becomes a national law, then ultimately ours is, is probably preempted as well. Are you allowed to comment or say, or do you even have any knowledge whatsoever as to how the NCAA feels about this? You know, we've never had a conversation with okay. with them. Um, we haven't tried to, and we just figured we, we would just work it. within our confines right. of Florida. Um, we have worked with some folks that used to uh, have pretty high-ranking positions mm-hmm. at the NCAA, and they, they're all in favor of this. They kind of know it's coming. They, the NCAA put a, um, a work group together last year, I want to say January, and basically said, all right, well, we're going to commit to doing this. But as typical, again, not to pick on them, but, uh, but you know, when they finally came up with something, it wasn't quite there. You know what I mean? It, was, yeah. uh, it, it eliminated um, a lot of the things that would – basically make this completely free market and basically just said, we still want to have, you know, basic, basic control. Okay. They let them, they let them tinker with a little bit, um, video games, that type of thing. You right. Know, but they, but actually they wouldn't let them do team, uh, kind of team benefits. And that's really that EA sports mm-hmm. game where that was, that's that all went away because of this. Was it you, John, was it you that was telling me that there was one particular athlete that was in a video game that no, Someone was telling me that the other day. There was like this one particular college athlete that was obviously being featured in the game, and he got upset about it, and there was a lawsuit about it. I don't think. So I can tell you, there was there wasn't a lawsuit in this case, but I can tell you the uh, quarterback at USF um, was all all the players were in there. Tebow, Mm -hmm. you could you kind of see, you know, he would he would do the kneel in the in the in the end zone, and and this this uh, quarterback Matt Grothy from USF was was clear that it was him. But to make it even, you know, so that, but he didn't make any money off of it, just mm-hmm. like any other athletes. But a few la- few years later, when season ticket holders purchased their USF tickets, they sent a Matt Grothy bobblehead. And Corey has one in the office. So they made a bobblehead really? of a human being who's now working in the uh, a you know, sculpture, it, if you will. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> with a bobbling head. And he didn't make any money off it, but people were getting, people were actually buying this, this, uh, and yeah, you know, so someone was making money off it. It just wasn't yeah. him. Wow. He had joined the, the economy the as an adult I mean, and left sports. You know, it was, it was done. At the end of the day, I always look at it this way. At the end of the day, we're all human. It's a yep. people-to-people thing, yep. right? I mean, whether yep. you're a kid or a student or this this whole yep. rule block, and you're still making money off somebody else. Yep. I mean, that's that's the bottom line is the way I kind of see it. So what's this um, one-year, three-year thing you were telling me about, too? So probably the, the most uh, critical issue among this is not just allowing folks to make make a few bucks off their name, image, or likeness, but uh, also knowing what to do with it, being properly educated and, and trained on the financial literacy piece, mm-hmm. um, what, what the impacts of high and low credit, uh, low interest on, on credit cards, you know, what the impact of high balance on credit cards, savings accounts, checking accounts, basically uh, financial skills, literacy. Right? And yeah. then the other piece is more life skills of not just the financial piece, but you know, now that you have somebody representing you, an agent or or representative of some sort, you know, what's the relationship? What you know, how does the relationship need to be? You know, how do you keep yourself in control of this? And you know, basically, just good good business practices. That's outstanding. 
Yeah, it's, it, we, we didn't want to send anybody into a situation uh, where they make some money and because of poor choices and not uh, not being properly trained or you know, they may not have had this up to that point, they could be in a worse situation than they had before. I mean, mm-hmm. a good example that comes to mind is maybe Bernie Kosar. Right. You know, he gets drafted and gets all this money, but, you know, thanks to his generosity, to his family, he, he ended up with a lot of debt and uh, and, and other things you know, early on. But you think of some of those things and you want to say, well, if I had done this different or if I didn't do that business deal spur of the moment, you know, to build a, a restaurant with, you know, five other people and I'm the one paying the bills kind of thing. So, um, you I know, I think we, that's a very interesting component to this whole thing because yeah. you got to, you can imagine, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. you can imagine, um, you know, coming from no money to all of a sudden have floods of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, money's a responsibility and it's, it's, yeah. it's a skill to manage yeah. that responsibility. It, it really is. And you see it so many times where, you know, these kids coming, you know, from college and professional sports and poor than rich than poor again, yeah. real quick. And they get taken yeah. advantage of and people come out of the woodworks for money. It's a benefit. And, yeah. you know, to, to any benefit or I would say, I always tell people, you know, with liberties come responsibilities mm-hmm. and with money, you know, with money or a benefit like that uh, come responsibilities. You know, you, you're yeah. expected to take care of your own family and you're expected to, to be able to grow it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, ultimately you want to do the best for, for everyone at the same time. Some those decisions are tough. Yeah. You know, I think saying that's no great. is a hard thing. I think that's great that the whole one year, three year thing is included. That That's for sure. Um, so kudos to you for getting that done and was, putting that through and the governor. Right. He had um, mm-hmm. a little hand in it too. Right. Yep. Our Senate sponsor was from uh, the Melbourne area. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we signed the bill last uh, June 12th at UM. Mm-hmm. Awesome. At UM. <laughs> My friend Brett Romberg will be happy to hear that. Yep. I think that's we had Jonathan, Jonathan Vilma and Corey Simon were there. So there's oh, really? a Noel and a, and a cane there yeah, to, very to cool. sign it. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Good for you. So I'm going to move this along to speak a little bit about one of my favorite topics. Water. Um, which is water and particularly the Everglades. Um, we just had the governor sign a $322 million um, budget or, or a, a billion dollar budget that had $322 million set aside for the Everglades. And so, yeah. Among the, other the, things. The, the big piece is uh, water and environment to the governor was $625 million. And it was the same as last year. It was a commitment he made to spend... Two point five billion over the four years he's in office, mm-hmm. and but to your point, Everglades, the Everglades were about three hundred and twenty million of that. Yeah, yep. which is outstanding. Yep. Um, and some of that has to do with the natural springs, and some of it has to do with fighting algae blooms and red tide. The overall um, six twenty five, yeah, would go towards uh, blue green algae, red tide, uh, studying our environment so that we can prevent some of these things, and then the the bulk of it or half of it uh, last year and this year will go to the Everglades. So over the course of the four years, he's in office. He'll have, uh, if, you know, we get the budget done every year like this, it'll be $1.2 billion towards Everglades restoration, which mm-hmm. obviously our federal partners are a big part of that. Um, but we've got, you know, to that point, we've got other issues as well. And, you know, we've still got septic tanks in some places and we've right. got other, other issues spilling into the environment. So, well, we had that, well, you had the Lauderdale by the sea scenario. Is it still kind of in play? I mean, what, what's going on with that? So there are successes and failures every year. The yeah. success okay. of this is we got it. We got our, uh, w- the state commitment of 250,000 approved. And then it was in the, see these four pages of, yeah. those are all vetoes. Oh, really? Yeah. So even though the governor did 625 million, this was uh, 
all of the local water projects from whether it was, you know, for example, Key Biscayne, sargassum removal, uh, Whitewater Springs, water treatment distribution. So every member typically came in with a, with a project. And mine was to get those last few septic tanks out of Lauderdale by the Sea mm-hmm. in the Palm Club. And they're moving forward with the project. The county and the city, when I was there, we, we struck a, a, a contribution deal, and this, the, the town is doing their deal. Um, I'll probably be back with that next year. But okay. um, the reason I say that, you know, the, the governor had some cuts to me. He, he took a billion dollars out of the budget in vetoes. Mm-hmm. Um, what he didn't take out, um, and I don't want to get you too far off topic, but was no, the, it's all the, the topic. Big, yeah, the big yeah. uh, raise for our school teachers mm-hmm. in Florida, which was five hundred million dollars plus for to get um, starting or any base teacher up to forty seven five, and then another hundred million for uh, teacher advancement for veteran teachers. Right. Um, so that's why I think it's important so, so to bring was, that up, though. Yeah, if you're if you're people are wondering things, why, right? yeah, if people are wondering why, oh, it didn't get pushed yeah. that way for water. Yeah. It's like, well. Some things you know need more addressing yeah. as well. You know, so, so we balance uh, in in the six twenty five. To your point, is is um, Everglades was uh, three twenty five. Something that I and it, it probably um, I'm not going to you know you're not going to ever see me walking around pat myself on the back. Mm-hmm. But but I but one of the things I think is is worthy of mentioning is when I was on the county commission rebuilding uh, segment two, so from Hillsborough Inlet to. Port Everglades was important, so that's right. Pompano, Lauderdale by the Sea, and Fort Lauderdale. Well, the only way we can get these beach projects done is if we if we can rank them statewide and figure out where the dollar is going to go. And we created a bill last year that passed unanimously called Coastal Management, and it not only does it give us the ranking for environmental uh, uh, aspects as well as protect shore protection, but also economic impact. You know, mm-hmm. what does a beach mean to our local economy? How does it protect the uplands and all those things? But what good is a what good is a uh, you know a position in line to do a project without the money? So this year we finally got in. Um, it was thirty up to this point, but we finally got fifty million recurring. So from this point forward, every year there'll be fifty million dollars statewide to put into beach projects. And why that's important is we use that locally to leverage the federal dollars, mm-hmm. and then we put in some local dollars. So typically it's fifty percent if it's reimbursable. By the feds, it's a 50% federal, 25% state, 25% local city and county kind of match. Um, so the way these projects can move forward, now we have a recurring funding stream. So that was something that was really important on the environmental side. And, you know, the governor understood that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't right now we're, we're suffering because we don't have our tourism industry. But, you know, that's that's really where where people come to Florida, whether it's to fish or sit on the beach or get on the water. You know, ultimately, our, our coastal areas are really uh really sought after and people want to come here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's fantastic work that you've done on that one. I mean, really, really that, that's, it, it, that beach it was project important. was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so after this, after this whole budget was passed, then, mm-hmm. then the clean waterways act comes into play. Um, and that includes bigger fines for dumping pollutants into the waterways and new rules for septic tanks and agricultural runoff, um, which, there's no easy way to segue into talking about our beloved Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. and the issues that we've been having lately. I know um, a good friend of the studio um, and just personal friend, Jeff Maggio, who also has a podcast, Lunker Dog, you know, run that dog podcast, just went out uh, the other day with uh, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. and they did a kind of a runaround. Um, and it seems like the mayor's 
coming around to doing a lot of good positive work or what's your take on on how Fort Lauderdale is responding to their recent sewer problems and all the things that have been going on there? Yeah, so the, so the, uh, the, the irony is that, that uh, sewer leak in Fort Lauderdale, every one of those from uh, George English Park, Bayview, Rio Vista, all of those, uh, Victoria Park, all of those breaks were in my district. Oh, Every really? single one of them, yeah. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking. Uh, part you know part of the, the the real honest conversation we need to have is um, there are members on on in that current city commission, at least two, um, who were there under the previous administration when they did, made these decisions. So let's 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 wind this back and let's take the politics out of it and just say it's about responsibility, right? You know, stewardship. It's our environment. Um, the city manager has been doing an excellent job. He's, I, I, I'm a fan of the way he tries to get people to, yes, you know, let's try to accomplish something rather than telling everybody no. And, and this is one of those issues that he took the time out of his, uh, out of his busy schedule here in Fort Lauderdale, the city manager did. And with, um, with their representative came up to Tallahassee, we sat with the governor's chief of staff and the deputy that is over the environmental uh, DEP uh Area and wh- what was important was that we tried to figure out a way. Uh, you know, nobody nobody wanted to have a, a sewer line break, right? We, we, but right. the fact is that it was identified where that break happened that that was going to happen sometime soon. It was you know, it was a it was a yeah it was forecasted yeah. right yeah. Well, in in there, so ultimately when they finally dug up the pipe, I mean, it was I forget the, the specific uh, dimensions, but if it was an inch thick or you know three quarters of an inch thick at the top. It was, you know, paper thin at the bottom. There's a seam basically down the, the down the, the bottom of the pipe that's not a seam. It was, but it, that's basically where it where it blew apart. And at every however long there, I want to say 25 to 30 feet, these sections of uh, ductile iron pipe, you know, as they rust and corrode, there there's a ring at the end of bell. Mm-hmm. So it stops it from going to the next one. But you know, they were they were all kind of in that same condition. That that um, line goes from basically the center of the Coral Ridge Country Club golf course. There's a there's a lift station there, and it goes all the way basically down to uh, Port Everglades, mm-hmm. the water facility down at Port Everglades. So all along there is kind of where it broke. The, the the positive part is that they're now replacing it and leaving the old line in place. Going to clean it out, probably line it and have it as a have it as a backup. That way, if God forbid something ever happens again in this part here, they can isolate you know, before and after the break and go back to the other pipe and repair it without having all this, this uh, raw sewage. But, you know, the, 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 the clean water issue that you'd mentioned that, that uh, higher penalties and fines, uh, the city ended up with a $2.1 million fine. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping in mind, they, the, the total runoff into our waterways was, was 21 million or, or so 20.6 million gallons of raw sewage. Um, wow. Some of it went into people's houses, <clears throat> so it was crazy. It was it bad. Was, it was a bad situation. It runs out to the beach and the swimming mm-hmm. and everything. And typically, so the 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 positive side of that, and again, I said the the city uh, manager came up to Tallahassee. The positive side of that is that um, what we try to do is instead of having the city, therefore the taxpayers, you know, ultimately the city is not in a business. It's it's it takes in taxes and it, and it appropriates them. We didn't want to have all these taxpayer dollars just basically go to the state for a fine. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask that. I'm like, well, okay, it's good for the city to get 
find 2.1, but who ultimately right. really is paying the bill People. for that? Yeah. So they, they ultimately they can reinvest that after this conversation with uh, with the governor's office, which he's been uh, excellent at working in this process through. Or they've they've you know listened. They just haven't told them, mm-hmm. hey, you know you did this on. We feel you did this on purpose. We're going to penalize you. You have to pay this fine. Ultimately, they have to put these dollars if they can. And they're working on that right now is put these into an environmental project that will directly have a positive effect on the on water and the environment there in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, they're working on that now. I know they're redoing uh, a, a significant portion of that water plant down at Port Everglades, mm-hmm. um, as well as the five ash. I mean, they have a multiple year plan, a long term capital plan to replace a great portion of their water and wastewater facilities. So this is more of a replace situation than a repair situation, I would assume, Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they're putting a new um, a new uh, uh, main sewer line in between the, that area I just mentioned from Coral Ridge all the way down to to uh, the port. And they're doing like Bayview Drive right now. If you drive down Bayview, you would mm-hmm. see, you know, half from, you know, a couple blocks at a time are – uh, are, are cut off and basically barricaded. So they're replacing that line, then they'll move the construction side. It's like, kind of like, almost like re nourishing the beach. They'll do, you know, this, this quarter mile, these couple of blocks here, then they'll move the site down another, you know, couple of blocks and, and knock it out. So they're, you know, they're, they're working at it hard, but, uh, it was a tough lesson for them to learn, I think. Yeah. Tough lesson. And also now it's a major undertaking, you know, yeah. and, and it's not the most exciting thing necessarily for people to kind of get into, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like, if people really understand the significance of it, you know, it, well, and that's, I think why not just, I mean, look, we're in the, one of the biggest bull markets and, and hospitality market, you know, economies of our time, <coughs> excuse me. And the city of Fort Lauderdale, for example, um, there's no other way to say this. I mean, I, the past and past and current leadership are good people, but I mean, they deferred maintenance on a lot of these lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, I mean, because it's, I'm not going to say it's because it's not sexy, but at the end of the day, ripping up the ripping up under uh, underground and replacing infrastructure, it's not only unsexy, if you will. It's not a new building or a new park, something that right. people get to use. But it's also very disturbing to the to the community around it. You know, trying to get through normal life, ripping up driveways and roads and all that. Um, they had already replaced the west. There's three. If you think of Fort Lauderdale, there's a western uh, main sewer line, there's a central, and then there's the beach. Mm-hmm. The beach is would be next. Uh, the Western portion was already done a few years ago. And, you know, to your point, it's not a sexy project. People have to do it. Um, they pushed it off. And, you know, these are the things you can find out when, when you, when you don't, you know, you, you don't follow that maintenance plan or that long-term plan. Yeah. I mean, I know, um, you know, for, for those that maybe listen to this program that are not of the South Florida area, mm-hmm. um, you know, Fort Lauderdale and its waterways and its Venice of the United States kind of theory is it's a convoluted area mm-hmm. um, with a lot of pipes and a lot of, so it's not a small project. Um, Pompano in itself is maybe like that, but on a slightly smaller scale. Um, and I think that's one of the things that they did um, correctly before they had their recent right. sprawl situation, their expansion situations. They addressed, they addressed the sewer mm-hmm. before they did their build out. You know, and which I think was a, re- and we had uh, Mayor Rex on here and Horatio from the CRA on here, on, and Horatio really kind of took us through the whole thing of everything that the city did sewer wise before they did their, you know, expansion. you know, when they put the, I'll give you a, a sewer is a perfect example, but I'll give you another one that we always think about when you're redeveloping an area, uh, parking, mm-hmm. you know, chicken or egg, if you will, and 
I remember being at the at the groundbreaking of the parking garage at the pier mm-hmm. when none of the other work was done yet. The little old library was still there. Right. The the part the surface lot was still there. None of the new restaurants were built yet. They built this pier, uh, this pier parking garage, and it was time we got done with it. It was like nineteen million dollars with the sales on it, the turtle friendly lighting, and the retail space. And now, guess what? They have Oceanic and Boathouse, and there's a new one coming up. Uh, Forget what it's. What the uh, oh the one that's Lucky shopping. Fish. Yeah, 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 Lucky Fish. That's Lucky it. Fish, and then yep. there's those other rest, those other uh, retail establishments. There's Killwinds. I think there's a Burger mm-hmm. Fry. Alvin's so Island. All of those yeah. places are coming in, and there's parking. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's tough sometimes to make the decision and look you know look to the to the voters and say you know I put up a 19 million dollar parking garage because we're gonna need it. Right. And now we need it. So. Yeah. Um, it was great foresight. And I think, you know, I have to really kind of credit, I have to give a shout out to, to Horatio Danovich. For, he does great work with the he's, city. He's he really the nuts does. and bolts to keep that whole thing moving. He yeah. really is. Smart guy. I can speak from personal experience because I work with him a lot mm-hmm. with the stuff that we do in the city. And he tells me a lot of, he's like, we have to think about this, Dennis. We have to think about that because in a couple of years, it's going to be like this and we have to forecast for that. He does a really good job. And I, I have to really kind of take my hat it's off. Quite a, bit, quite a bit going on down that way. And then now that other southwest uh, parcel there where uh, Ivan J. Smith building and mm-hmm. all. So that's, you know, that's identified as a, as a redevelopment uh, parcel and, you know, the, the restaurant on the intercoastal to the west of there on the south side of Atlantic. So there's a lot going on down there. Yeah, they're going to be dressing Dixie Highway as well. So, yep. Yep. And that's fantastic to see. Um, other towns, I think, need to kind of take heed of both that positive story mm-hmm. and the negative story with the Fort Lauderdale. And when I say other towns, I mean like Fort Myers and yeah. Sarasotas and Tampas and places like that around town. And maybe even some of the smaller towns like the Melbournes yeah. that maybe don't have the budgets that like a Fort Lauderdale does, you know, use this as a, like a learning lessons or a platform, please, because you're going to have these problems as well. Because we've discussed it on the show before where Florida's fairly still a new frontier of the United mm-hmm. States and a lot of the infrastructure that was built. Although forecasted a sprawl, probably didn't forecast this kind of sprawl. Well, Fort Lauderdale was at 1911, I think. The county was 15. I think Pompano was 09. But, this, mm-hmm. around, you know, around 1911, those those pipes, you know, some of those pipes, you know, obviously they're not 100 years old, but um, most of them are at least 50, 50, 60, and they have a 30, 30 to 40-year lifespan. Wow. Um, so, you know, new products coming out, uh, that can be helpful there, but to your point, I think, you know, whether it's a CRA or redevelopment area, it's not always easy to say, well, here's what I want it to be in 10 years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time, Yeah. but you have to start at some point. And, you know, we kind of saw what Delray did, you know, when they, when they started, you know, five years later, they had a major impact and you just same, same thing in Pompano five to seven years later, you have major impact of whether it's Atlantic Boulevard corridor and the pier or, or Dixie in the Western uh, corridor. So there's quite a bit going on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's, it's good to see that um, the state uh, at the state level, they're getting involved with regulating this and holding cities accountable mm-hmm. um, and not only just holding them accountable, but becoming involved. And, and I think that's good to see because that's really kind of what needs to happen. I mean, cause who's to say, you know, one sewer pipe busts, maybe nothing happens, mm-hmm. you know? So in a way, maybe at the end of the day, this might be, you know, like yeah, a, I mean, there's some places positive like thing that comes out West of this. coast. I won't name the city, but it was in the paper quite a bit that, you know, they they were purposely off, you know, basically, you know, pumping off, uh, you know, some, some, uh, 
wastewater. You know, it, it may have been relatively clean, but still pumping it into a body of water. I mean, we, we have to be very cognizant of not just the issues of, uh, you know, blue-green algae or mm-hmm. other things that, that uh, would, would cause us, you know, a tough situation for our environment, but also the, you know, the thousands of species that are living under that water. So Right. Yep. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, too, as more rains come. You know, yeah. how that affects the middle of the state, Yep. you know, and, you know, and all the things that, you know, the state has done to either rebudget or reappropriate some of the things that yep. happen there, which I think they've made good steps. In the, yeah. In that Governor's been very pro- uh, positive on environmental issues as a whole, but, uh, you know, just not only that, but, you know, we start thinking about other, other things that might, you know, come to our frontier and, you know, whether that's offshore or or uh, inland fracking or any of that type of stuff. And he's so, been a, Right, there you go. Yeah. So there's been some offshore drilling proposals. Where are we? Where, you know, there was an article, um, it was interesting, there was an article maybe 10, 14 days ago uh, that said, it, it specifically didn't mention the president or the governor, but it uh-huh. said the administration uh, and, and through Interior, the Department of Interior, had been having that conversation. So immediately... Political, you know, uh, comments start coming out about whether it's the president or the governor. Um, and what was crazy to me, because I've been involved in this for a while, I've been, been in Florida since I was three and grew up on that beach in Fort Lauderdale and Pompano and Lauderdale by the sea. And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, drag us into the, the political stuff, but the, the person that's running against me, like, did a, a social media poll. You know, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we all know what we think about it. If you care about the state and you care about this community, the answer is absolutely never, not now, not here, not ever. Um, so the answer is very simply no. I mean, I voted against um, fracking in the Everglades, and, and, and it wasn't that they were going to put up immediately a, uh, you know, a, a, oil, well, a oil well or natural gas uh, drilling operation uh, to frack in the Everglades, but it was a real estate company uh, called Canner. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah. And so they, they were they were going to do some test wells and mm-hmm. some test fracking. Well, we know where that's going to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much a supporter of a multitude of different energies. I'm not someone that says, hey, we, we've got to get off of fossil fuels immediately or, you know, different things. There's there's a right answer for the right situation. But um, I definitely didn't want to have that in, in the Everglades. And this idea of any type of offshore drilling. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of this might be out of our hands if the Bahamas decide to do something or or uh, Cuba or anywhere else that's, you know, within... They're going to bring the Chinese in. Our new, our, 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 our old and new friends. <laughs> uh, but, but from a standpoint of, of, you know, what's important is um, that's something that just, I don't, see, in my mind, I can't, from an environmental standpoint, could never see happening. It's I don't think anybody's now. really for that. If, if anyone's really for that, it's probably about maybe like like... Somebody who lives in Oklahoma. Yeah, right. <laughs> Someone's that that's not a Floridian and yeah. uh, you know has a ton of money and just wants to exploit all all every resource they possibly can. Right. But I don't think any Floridian really wanted that. I mean, I remember when when they bought that land from the Canner right. company or family or whatever that is. I mean, everyone you yeah. know, touted that. Positive. That was a great, you know, great well, the, move. The, great the, move. But, you but know? The, so the question is, why why would anybody have to ask what people think about it? It's it, it's kind of an it's almost like do you enjoy the uh, you know the sunny outdoors if you're here yeah if if not you know well, I think the Republican Party has has gotten a bad reputation uh, unwarranted for 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 things like that you know being unenvironmental yeah. I think this this current administration if you will, right. like you said is, has been 
you know, done nothing but prove otherwise. You know, and certainly, certainly in the state of Florida, and I think to your point, um, you know, people have short memories. I'm, I don't expect anybody to have a hundred year memory or 120, but you know, Teddy Roosevelt was the uh, you know the president that started the national parks, and mm-hmm. you know, we've got plenty of uh, folks uh, that have been involved at the top and and local levels and in politics that care about our environment. You know, whether you know whether we're going to be here in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Right. I mean, I know there's been some pushback uh, after the Clean Waters Act from places like the Sierra Club and mm-hmm. different things like that. And I understand not everyone's always going to be 100% completely happy. And there are certain groups in the world that say, no, all their money needs right. to go to the organization right. that we believe in. You know what I mean? I get that. You know, you it's, want. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a tough litmus test. Um, and, and we're seeing that with more and more organizations, whether, I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest, whether it's. Planned Parenthood or the NRA. I mean, right. you've got to be with us 100, percent or we're not going to support you. And to me, that that's not that's not what life's about. Life's no. about compromise, and life's about you know trying to negotiate to get to an agreement where both uh, people can be happy, you do no harm, and and you serve people. But um, you know, to some of those organizations, they just want to hear what they want to hear. Right, and and I think it's no secret at this point to, to most people that this is a conservative-minded podcast. But mm-hmm. you know, by no means is it a hardcore right podcast if anything you know it fall right down the middle on a, on a lot of issues but you know it's i think what we've been saying this whole time it's really comes down to just like the human element of things and what's yep. the right or the wrong thing to do and you know it, i understand you're in politics but you try to take politics out of it as much as you can and you look at it from that yeah. level then you can make positive things happen you yeah know, I, I, I really do believe that you're you're uh, you're spot on and um i'm not i'm gonna for, i'm gonna force myself not to bring it back to covid but an, an yeah, example of, of people calling. I mean, my uh, legislative aide in the office, Samantha, has been a champion of, of dealing with I, I, constituent issues, but I call them customer service, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's a customer of something. And people are calling and having issues. If they're a realtor or an independent contractor, they're having a problem getting their unemployment. And she's taken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls, and we'll follow up with them in Tallahassee. And there's no secret sauce. We've got some good relationships that maybe some of my colleagues – have different ones, but um, because of who's in office, I mean, we, we do all we can to try to help our constituents. And what's what's funny, I was walking by her desk uh, last week, and she was literally having this, the, the one side of the conversation I could hear was, oh, well, he's a Republican. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, you don't want him to help you with your unemployment anymore. <laughs> and it was back and forth of, well, you're not helping me. No, no, we're trying to help you. And, and we don't, I could give a, a right, a, you know, care less about what someone's political party is because at the end of the day, we're all Floridians, we're all humans. And, you know, if, if you're having a hard time paying the bills and you've got, you know, kids at home or whatever the situation is, you know, we want to make sure that if there's a benefit that is due you from you paying unemployment insurance, that you get that benefit. But there really are some people out there that, believe it or not, we ended up forwarding one of them to our state senator who happens to be a Democrat mm-hmm. because she— he just didn't want to have our help. And we called them, uh, of course, right away and said, hey, you're going to get a call. We tried to help them. They don't want our help. Here's what's going on. We think we can help you if you, you know, if it's you need anything. It's just, but, but yeah, that the politics would get so far yeah. into someone's uh, well-being, you know, you're trying mean, to take I, care of things. I could take this down the road of, you know, look at the New York situation, uh, you know what I mean, and what yeah. what the other side of the aisle tried to do for them and it was just completely denied. It, it's unfortunate, yeah. you know, because I think a lot of tragedy could have been avoided that actually happened up there. Yeah. I mean, you know, politicize that comment all you want, but I, I really yeah. do firmly 
believe that, you know, when you offer something to someone and they say, no, we're fine. And then, but you're not really, yeah. you know, that because you don't want to give the benefit of the doubt to the other side of the aisle. That's, that's the bad side of politics to me. And it's really unfortunate that that happened the way it did. I think at the federal level, we're, we're kind of there. I mean, literally yeah. when you see, and I don't get too far out of our conversation, but when you see members who are really trying to pull something together and, and clearly come from a background where they've had these challenges themselves, like Senator Scott from um, mm-hmm. South Carolina coming up with, you know, his bill, they won't even hear it. Right. He's a black Republican Senator coming up with a uh, criminal justice reform bill and they won't even hear it because he's a Republican. I mean, but, but the argument says, wait a minute, he's actually been that guy who's been in his car and felt, you know, that fear of someone pull him over or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but at the same time, he, you know, he's approaching it from a standpoint of, you know, we've got to get something done. So guess what we got done? Nothing. Right. Same yeah. thing as always in Washington. Yeah. It's a shame. It's it's a shame. And you know what? I, I don't know what the answer is at this point. I, ha- I have opinions, <laughs> but I think right now too many opinions. This is one of the, another reason why, you know, didn't necessarily want to go too deep into the COVID thing because I think there's too many opinions out there right yeah. now. And I think it's really just clouding. I don't want to become part of the problem by throwing, you know, having, yep. everyone, I agree with you. having the feel the need to everyone to understand my opinion. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you know, let's just see how this goes. Everyone get better. You're everyone wear your mask. Yeah, and, willing, you know, there and everyone wear your mask when you're out in public and get better and oh, let's get past this thing mm-hmm. and hopefully the dust will settle and then we can look back on it and be like, all right. Yep. Then we can really get back to being, you know, the America that we that we should be. So um all right. Enough of the COVID, right? So <laughs> keep getting stuck down that hole. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm saying is as much as you try to try to avoid it it's it's really hard because we're all living it you know every day and it it can become a very stressful thing for a lot of people for everybody really it's a stressful thing um some people it can get the better of you know and then some people are having some you know mental issues about it right now Mm -hmm. and um we definitely feel for those people you know and i understand you know being locked in being closed in being you know having your freedoms limited and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's not good for everybody. Um, so, you know, so hopefully we can all get through this as soon as possible. So, um, for the betterment of that, but one thing I do want to talk about, um, some of the things about the American flood coalition that you've been, Mm -hmm. um, spearheading. So, so, um, there's an organization called the American flood coalition. It was one of those, um, nonpartisan, uh, non-political uh kind of See, I like that. Non-partisan, organizations non-political. That, yeah. there we go so it's well i mean it's it, it, i guess ultimately it's it's policy based so uh, mm-hmm. the american flood coalition one of the earliest members was at the time when he was in congress um Car- um uh carlos Corbello, sorry mm-hmm. and he's still involved he's on the board um i got involved i i may have been one of the if not the first county commissioner at the time this was probably 3 3 years ago um and our former uh Rep and Senator Ellen Bogdanoff, <clears throat> uh, she was, uh, she is now a lobbyist, and her son Alec Bogdanoff is she's involved in it. But then her son is uh, is an MIT educated uh, PhD uh, environmental scientist, and uh, uh, he's got quite a background. But he's he's doing the work here in Florida, and it's really um, it's one of those things that you get together and nobody talks about mm-hmm. who caused. The flooding, you know, do we blame the, uh, you know, what what part of man or the environment do we blame? Instead of that, we figure out how do how do we deal with the issue, right? And it's mitigation. It's coming up with a plan. And what 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 I've realized is that Florida, for all of her um, 
positives and benefits in the economy and natural resources, we do, we are getting about 20, 25% of what the state of Louisiana is getting from the federal government oh, wow. for these major water infrastructure projects, not specifically water, like watershed or Everglades, but for if we need to build, uh, you know, $8 billion, for example, in, you know, immediate impacts for uh, coastal flooding by putting up certain areas of seawall or, uh, or other mitigation devices or, or infrastructure, you know, we, without, but for a plan, we won't have the help, we, the level of help we really need. Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of part of where this is going. And then. So Louisiana is getting all the love there, huh? For the most Louisiana, part. Well, they, you know, they are underwater. Yeah, no, for I mean, sure. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, it's warranted. And, uh, and the Mississippi's having its erosion issues and all that. But, but, um, you know, we should, uh, we should be able to, and I'll, I'll look back uh, when I was on the commission and then this uh, first two years in the state house, I got to work with uh, somebody who, quite honestly, we didn't always see eye to eye with uh, mm-hmm. with each other, uh, Kristen Jacobs. And she was, you know, she was finishing her last term or, th- or third term in the Florida house. Um, she just passed a little bit ago from uh, from cancer, a long fought battle. But, you know, she was she was a defender of uh, the environment and uh uh, I think President Obama had pointed her to uh, a coastal coalition. Basically, she kind of spearheaded with some other counties, and I've gotten involved over the years with the uh, uh, South Florida Regional Climate Compact. And what that was was uh, six or seven counties. Um, it's been a while since so we've had a get-together or meeting on it, but it basically it's going from the Keys up to uh, kind of the, the Gold Coast and, and uh, north of that and, and coming up with ideas that – uh, ideas and, and processes that work together. Mm-hmm. So another, to your point of, you can get all the way down to if we're if we have three houses on the water, and I I raise my seawall and and you're on one side of me and you know somebody's grandmother's on the other and you don't, the water's going to all come in right to where I am. So max you know expand that that thought with you know seven counties and say all right well if Miami Miami Dade Miami Beach do all this uh, infrastructure work. And Hollywood, Hallandale don't, you know, ultimately that's going to come in, whether it's actual uh, sea level rise or coastal flooding issues from storms or anything else. We've got to work on this as a region. And then ultimately, I think the state has to work on it together um, so that that plan needs to get to be put together. And um, this is kind of one of those the reason I find it to be, I don't say fun, but uh, interesting and, and uh, something that has a positive energy is because it isn't political. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just people trying to work to get to an answer and the conversation never comes up of, you know, this is all man-made. We, we have to blame man and we have to stop because then then because then the real work stops. Right. Right. Instead of coming up with a solution and, right. and having that plan. Blaming so, stops everything. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So that's why it's been an organization. The, f- the funding for that comes from. So uh, American Flood Coalition is really policy based, um, mm-hmm. but it it ultimately would be our state. It's, it's state or federal. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, in other words, they, they they're going to help us put policy together that uh, will allow, for example, maybe a Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach uh, project or something that that's going on on the beach or mm-hmm. or other infrastructure flooding. I, I give you an example, not specifically related to that, but the types of projects that are going on. If you drive down Cordova. Just mm-hmm. north of 17th Street Causeway, um, there there's a section of Cordova that was pretty low lying. The the houses on the west side of Cordova uh, had little had uh, waterfront docks on the other side of the street, so you know, it was kind of separated. 
and that area would, you know, if the, if the tide was high or if we had a, like if a we king had tide a, or something, king, yeah. king tide or even other times would uh, come over the come over the seawall and flood out, you know, Cordova. So they're putting in sheet piling now, uh, steel sheet piles into the into the uh, ground and basically putting a concrete cap on that, kind of like a seawall, mm-hmm. but just raising it up, um, you know, creating a, a man-made uh, infrastructure that will keep that water out and give it, yeah, buy us some more time. Has yeah. there been any data that you know of that's for kind of supporting any sea rise issues recently? As far as if it's happening? Well, yeah, or like the, anything new, like any new reports maybe, so, I mean. So probably the the, for, the 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 foremost experts, and this is where I said that, you know, I, you've got to be able to take an issue and talk to someone about it without discounting something because, it, right. because you have diff, difference of political uh, views, for example, uh, at Broward County, uh, Dr. Jennifer Harado is probably one of the most uh, informed and 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 uh, most studied people on this issue. And uh, as an as you know, as a county commissioner, and, and her being the director of that resiliency uh, department, uh, she she and I had many many conversations. My biggest um, my biggest uh, kind of position, I would say, is it's happening. Um, we know what's happening. The one, th- the one thing where I kind of, it's kind of the blame game where, where I would get stuck early on in this 10 years ago, for example, nine, 10 years ago is when someone says, well, <clears throat> the data shows by 2030 or 2040 or 2050, we're going to be one and a half feet uh, under more underwater than we are now. Our water's going to have risen that much, or they say it's going to be six feet higher. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, for me, um, the time, the the only thing I've ever debated one one way or the other is, and whether we needed to to factor this into the infrastructure projects because you could have a, an infrastructure project that costs a hundred million dollars that would fix a specific problem in an area, for example, uh, or it could be a magnitude of ten because it could be a billion dollars mm-hmm. if if this other uh, uh, prediction is true, this other model is true. So to me, the timing and the models were the only thing I ever kind of scratch my head and say, mm, how is that? So I'm, I'm, I think it's tough to forecast that far out. Yeah, it really is. I mean, especially I mean, with some of some of them might be in cycles, yep. you know, and well, you're can't, reacting to a cycle. Can't, can't tell you what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Right. Within, within reason, if, if this happens and that happens. So, so they're using all the science and the data that's in front of them and barring any changes to your point of cycles, you know, right. cooling or heating. But you know, we, we've, we've specifically, looked at all that data and said, well, there's, there was, there's not cooling happening anytime soon mm-hmm. that we're aware of. And if these things keep happening, we're going to have a specific height that we need to, tr- to, uh, uh, to address. And, and, and further to that point, I think you kind of look at it and say, well, am I going to worry about the hundred year flood, which, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen those hundred, they're, they're almost every like three or four years now, right. but um, we've, we've, got, we've just got to take it as, as data and try to implement these, these projects. And I think between the American flood coalition and, you know, working with the federal government, um, you know, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We, it's too important to not get this right. I mean, when someone says there was an article just a couple of weeks ago about uh, the viability of owning property in South Florida, mm-hmm. you know, or in Florida, do we, between hurricanes and sea level rise and the, the, these changes in the climate, do we want to loan 30, 30 years on a $10 million house on Hillsborough Beach? Mm-hmm. You know, of course, I guess if it's $10 million house, you may not need the loan. But, <laughs> but I mean, just the average person, if you, if you right. need an 80, 20 mortgage at 30 years, you know, are they going to loan it? So 
the minute, you know, we all think this is great because we have property that's typically in, in the, in the right market, you know, the, in the average market increasing at different, you know, different rates, but it's increasing in value and, and uh, you know, you'll have a nest egg there, at least with that. If someone says tomorrow it's worthless because we won't make a loan on it, you're basically gambling by, by continuing to live here. So that's why I think it's, it, it's incumbent upon us to fix these issues to the best we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and I think sometimes too, I mean, from that point, I think insurance companies try to take well advantage of these things a lot, a lot of times. No so, doubt. And you know, it just gets a little frustrating, you know, as a Floridian to have to listen to some of that, you know, because if you look at the 2004, 2005, when we had that bad string of hurricanes, yeah. everyone thinks, oh, it's always going to be like this from now on. You know, it's right. like, well, no, that's how it was in 2004 and 2005. Yeah. It's never been like that again. Sure, we might get a bad storm every now and then, but you live in Florida, newsflash, right? Yeah. Um, because, you know, you even look at the 30s and the 40s, we had some really bad yeah. hurricanes. You know, this is just how, you know, it is. And sure, the damage might be worse this year i think it's because there's more of an infrastructure to damage yeah. and as well it, to a degree i mean uh if you look at the panhandle with hurricane michael for example mm-hmm. we we had some you know we had a lot of a lot of our colleagues and friends that live up there uh you know when you serve in tallahassee that's you know there, there were some there was some pretty bad damage I sure mean, was you know tens of thousands of residences and the one thing I and I started looking at it because didn't a new budget get proposed to to, to give further assistance for the hurricane Michael victims, right? Yeah, we, so we did quite a bit out of the federal and then uh, FEMA and then also out of the state emergency management and then the governor has also done quite a bit. Last year's affordable housing dollars, for the most part, mostly went over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, because they needed to, but one of the things that's that's important, and I I started going down the road of having the conversation with the with the building industry because I spent. You know, almost all my professional career in in construction, and you kind of look at what was the difference in, in Michael. There was that house on Mexico Beach mm-hmm. that was standing. Yes, it was, it was built as if it was built for the Keys or for South Florida. Mm-hmm. And that was built to Cat Five Code. If you were a Florida building, Dade County Radio yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, ultimately, there's a reason they call it that, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, we, well, when we put these back, there's a reason they call it that. But I was I always argued as somebody who grew up on the East Side and has to pay a separate windstorm policy. When Wilma, Wilma kindly uh, came over and finally, um, you know, justified my argument and said, storms don't only happen east of 95. You know, right. we may be the first to be hit, but they come from the West Coast, too. So when that uh, when Wilma came over, it, it wiped out a lot of uh, property in you know, Weston and Coral Springs and other mm-hmm. areas and did some damage. But, you know, we have to we have to do our best to make sure that, you know, if you're going to build a house back, if it, it had severe structural damage. Maybe it, yeah. Maybe you need to up up the uh, you know the, the type of construction you're using. Yeah, things have changed. Technologies have changed since those houses were originally mm-hmm. built. Yep. You know, I mean, although most of Coral Springs is built pretty solid. Yeah. You know, um, the there's a lot of trees in Coral Springs. Yeah. It's funny because you bring that up because I was just talking to my wife, um, the other day. I'm like, look around you, like, because we have canopy streets here. Yeah. And I said, look around you. Those canopy streets are just now starting to come back. And it's 2020, you know, yeah, from, from, uh, from Hurricane Wilma. Wilma. Wow. So many of the trees were down, you know, it, it looked like a rake went over Coral yeah. Springs and then, but now they're all, they're starting to come together again. It was so know, much uh, up, up in that panhandle area because that's where all of our timber mm-hmm. industries and for our, our, uh, our for, forestry that's there for the paper industry or timber industry was just laid down. And unfor- the real unfortunate part was it was all laid down like toothpicks and they couldn't really salvage it. 
they couldn't get it to use it for lumber because it wasn't fresh cut and yeah so it was a it was a big mess but um, saturated and everything yeah it's unfortunate it's unfortunate so what do you got coming up you know we we're uh (laughs) there's always a list of of uh of ideas for next year we haven't we haven't really obviously filed anything for drafting yet but um COVID slowed down a lot of the progress there, hasn't it? Of getting together, or are you guys doing a lot yeah. of virtual stuff? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming. No, we're we're um, we're doing a lot of Zoom meetings like everybody yeah. else. Um, we're looking at um, one of the things that we we took out to get this student athlete bill done was, and it's almost already there in every school, but we we may end up filing something for guaranteed grant and aid. Mm-hmm. Um, what that means if if you're the wide receiver for the Miami Hurricanes and you get hurt, you know, there, there's an understanding you got signed for a four-year scholarship, um, but there's also an understanding that, you know, while you're not playing, you, some of those benefits might be might be cut. And we mm-hmm. want to make sure if you get hurt, basically get hurt on the job that you still have that issue. Um, the uh, One of the areas that's near, near and dear to me are both dogs and uh, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a uh, – they're, they're – um, actually had a, a, an, a, an instance of this locally here of uh, a friend of, of my legislative aides is a um, uh, Margate police officer, canine officer, and his mm-hmm. dog had to be retired. He had some health issues. And believe it or not, even though they're counted as an employee and they're, you know, they're counted as an officer and they get hurt in the line of duty, those different things. Um, when they get retired, they don't, uh, they don't come with uh, retirement health benefits. So, so, so no one takes care of the dogs. The, the officer, if they want to keep the dog. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's not necessarily the case everywhere, mm-hmm. um, and it might be just you know a few places. But um, we, we do know that there are some nonprofits that basically are, are t- in his case taking care of this canine. But we, we're we're thinking about looking at something to say that look, if you're an employee and you drive a bus or you work for Parks and Rec or you're a commissioner or anybody working for a city. Uh, including that dog, um, you should be taken care of if, if, if those benefits cover you. I love yeah. it. So I really, that's um, good. Thing probably the right only there. other, uh, other thing that's really kind of out there for us, the, probably the biggest thing is, um, and this may, you know, this kind of shows either I have experience in dealing with this from a local level or I'm not the furthest right wing person, you know, mm-hmm. and that is the competitive, uh, workforce act. I'm sorry. Uh, e-fairness, e-fairness is, is a name given to, uh, a situation that uh, was came out of the Wayfair versus South Dakota uh, case, and that what that basically said was if you uh, don't have a brick and mortar facility in a state, that you can basically sell. So you see, you get some things from Amazon that mm-hmm. uh, that that probably Amazon is all tax now, right? Sales tax on everything. I Be- think so because the, they the do. New, I think some st- because I think they it do have brick and mortar. Comes from or well, and it's also if, if, if they have brick and if you have brick and mortar here. So there may be somebody selling sunglasses from their, you know, from their dorm room. We'll, we'll go back to the athlete thing, but if right. from from their apartment or their dorm in in South Carolina to Florida. Now, if they don't have a, a brick and mortar here, they don't need to pay sales tax. Well, that's not a new tax. Mm-hmm. Let me be very clear about that because I, my fiscal uh, record is 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 always been one way and that's to look out for the consumer. But if you buy something in the state of Florida, you're supposed to remit the 6% sales tax of the state. And now in Broward, because it's another penny of transportation, mm-hmm. 7%. Well, if they don't charge it to you, it doesn't mean you get away with it. Right. You're supposed to send it in. Right. Um, what this would do would automatically charge, uh, require any, any online transaction to charge it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's again, it's not a tax. It's something you're uh, responsible for. But what it would do is change drastically the uh, uh, the state's budget. It would bring a lot, a lot more money in. Um, we're looking at it as almost being able to remove the the uh, uh, tax on commercial rents. For example, if you your your office here, mm-hmm. you pay a you pay a tax on your commercial lease, which is really a tax on a tax. Right. Yeah. So that's that's probably the only tax in the state of Florida. That we've uh, that we have a, uh, a disadvantage by having the other states like we don't have an income tax in the state of Florida, a state income tax and other things, but we do have this this awkward uh, commercial sales uh, lease tax that we hear or rent tax that we hear from realtors all the time, and it's something we try to reduce. We usually take it down a couple tenths to a half a point in a good year, but you know, this would probably offset that. So I'm going to read into more, that a little bit more as a business owner. I think I should be aware of what's going on with that for, cause I know that, um, we have to charge the customer sales for all our bulk custom mm-hmm. stuff. Um, the sales tax in the state in which it gets shipped to. Okay. Um, not necessarily where it gets billed from. Like we have a customer right. that we basically take their credit card, their billing, their corporate billing is from California, okay. but we're shipping that to here because they reside here because okay. it's part of a larger company. Uh, so we, we have to pay, have them charge the sales tax here. Based on here, right. Yeah, because before it was, you know, I started getting filings from the state of California and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I having to do a file for, you know, an income tax file for the state of or not an income tax, a sales tax right. file for the state of California. But that's a little bit more than ours. But then after I researched, I'm like, wait, I actually don't have to pay that because I'm delivering it here to right. Florida. So mm-hmm. you know, there's all these weird little loopholes. Yeah. But so, so that, my point is it's easy for someone to jump in and start compounding on right. that. So of course. I'm glad you guys are looking into so that. So looking at that with a, with a member from uh, from the Gainesville area, he's a good, good friend. And uh, so, and really kind of listen to kind of what's out there now and what, what are the critical issues. And, you know, we, you go up there... Ha- having all these ideas and, you know, next thing you know, you're running something that house majority wants you to do or whatever it might be. So um, we'll kind of keep our ears open. Definitely want to try to do something for the environment to continue doing that work. All right. Very cool. And you guys been keeping sane throughout the whole uh, quarantine and all that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Like I said, we're trying to get out in the water. It doesn't seem like anybody's, uh, you know, it seems like the the boat industry is uh, selling, you know, as soon as they get in the boat trader, they're gone. Yeah. But Yeah. uh, yeah, just trying, just trying to spend some time, uh, we might get away down to the keys towards the, you know, t- before, uh, before fall, but, uh, mm-hmm. kind of we're in the middle of the throes of a, of a campaign. So that's kind of, that's yeah. what's going to start, you know, kicking up with a campaign office just opened. And, uh, my legislative aide Corey's, uh, he's left the state and he's running the campaign full time. So yeah, we'll be doing that. All right. Excellent. Excellent. And of, and of course, you know, you have the studio's full support for your campaign and, um, everyone, that. you know, follow Chip Lamarca here. Um, it's at Chip yep, Lamarca, at, right? at Chip Lamarca, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I got hacked on Instagram the other day. I know. So I got a message from you. It was, it was at Chip Lamarca underscore at the yeah, end. I, I didn't, didn't realize it till after. I was like, wait I think a minute. They were trying to sell a product. I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't. Somebody asked me if that was that was me, but it was my face. It was my name, but you know, yeah. with, with a with something after. But I, I I don't spend much time on Instagram. Right. I'm an old guy. Um, but they they took it down. They took it down almost immediately. Yeah. So I think it's gone now. All right. Good. So. so. So you're safe if you follow them on Instagram. Yeah. Just yeah. be careful the <laughs> underscore after the name. Exactly. And, um, you know, so I want to thank you for coming in once again. And, no, thank you. Um, you know, really, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. Um, we always appreciate you keeping us informed of all the great things happening um, in our state and all the hard work that you guys do um, and how that kind of 
you know, falls and spills over into the current administration's influence. And uh, we're real proud of that here at the studio. And um, appreciate what you do. I mean, yeah. you're, uh, you're, you're a lo- local product and doing some great things and, and you know, reminding us that you know, I think we all get kind of caught up on our day to day. If that's sitting in an office or whatever it might be, I mean, we all need to get outside and enjoy what we've got here. And you do a good job of kind of reminding people what's what's under the water and above the water. So. That's it. And we're all connected by water. I mean, yeah. and, and, and that really is the truth. Like, you know, we always end our show saying no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're always connected by water. And that's anywhere, yep. you know, and it really does all connect us. And that's the common thread. Um, so I just want to leave it with one last note and say um, we did mention earlier, um, you know, try to take the politics out of things as much as we possibly can. This is probably my biggest drive home COVID comment. Um, you know, drop the agendas, please. You know what I mean? Let's all get through this. And, um, you know, if you don't agree with someone, then my advice to you is moisten thumb and turn page. And just, you know, as bad as you want to comment on social media and kick back hard at people, please don't. You know what I mean? And just let them talk and fade away and your life is going to be that much happier for it. So um, that's probably the only advice, best advice I can give. Because it's stressful for everybody, you know, no matter what side of the fence you're on. Um, We are all in it together from that aspect. So. Um, all right. We good, John? Anything you want to bring up for, uh, Chip here? No, we're, we're good. We're we covered set. everything. All right. Your ego is not your amigo, right? <laughs> Next time I come, I want to see Mahi. Yeah. No, we're going to bring in Mahi. <laughs> Jenny will bring in Mahi for sure. You know, you always do your best and let God do the rest. Uh, don't ever forget that if you are in the market for a new vehicle, um, especially one of the beautiful Ram trucks that I own, uh, or a Jeep or a Chrysler or a Dodge, Go see our friends at Joey Cardi, Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Uh, they will hook you up. Um, go see Dean, the salesman over there. Um, he's a good friend of mine, and he gives great deals as long as you say my name and, and Connected by Water, right? And, uh, oh, yeah, um, John just reminded me. Go on to ConnectedByWater.com. Get one of our new straw hats. We have them in stock. We have a limited supply left. Uh, we will be getting replenished uh, here soon, hopefully, but we uh, – those things sold like hotcakes over the 4th of July. It's hot weekend. out there. Yeah, it's hot out there. So get yourself some shade. Um, and also, I got to say one thing about the straw hats. They're super high quality. Um, there are other people that offer hats for the same price that are not as good quality as ours. That's all I got to say about that. So, um, but please do support the studio. And also support our friends over at Papa's Raw Bar, who remind you to eat, drink, and be local. They are. They have a truck set up over there in Old Town, right, for Pop Amigos, the the new project that they're working on. Um, there's a build out going on, but they do have a food truck up there. In the meantime, it's like this Asian Jamaican Crasian kind of thing going on. Yep. And if it's hey, listen, if if Papa's has got their finger on it, it's going to be amazing because they are an amazing crew. They care about everything that they do to the fullest extent. Um, if you know Troy and Cassie, they run a tight operation over there. And everything is super sanitized, super clean, um, and the food is just off the charts phenomenal as it always is. So no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're always connected by water. Chip Lamarca, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Des. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network.
Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.